Hey friends, and welcome to the Retro Game Guys podcast. I'm your host and resident picky gamer, Dustin. I'm joined today by my good friends, the retro gaming guru, Zach. Wow, there you go. Oh no, he's been fully sucked into Qbert. Yes. (laughs) And uh, also here, the man we usually call the infrequent gamer, but after our New Year's Eve episode, I've dubbed him the Coors Lightweight, (laughs) Alex. That's that's me too. Uh, and we have a returning guest of the show, uh, known the world over as the Retro Game Guys archivist. It's Guillermo. Hey, thanks for having me back. Thank you. Absolutely. Glad to see you again. Great to talk with you guys. Hope you all and everyone listening is staying safe and healthy. And I uh, hope you're uh, stocked up with water over there, Alex. Water, not Coors Lights. <laughs> I'm uh, double fisting it tonight. Have a little bit of wine and oh, some water. No. Oh, so, wine and water. All right. There's a lot of jokes there, but we're going to move on yeah. and talk about what we're covering in this episode, which is the arcade classic Qbert, uh, which was released in 1982 in the arcades, followed by a ton of home versions. Yeah. If you want to give the original Qbert a go nowadays, our recommendation is the arcade version included with Qbert Reloaded on the PS4. Uh, so what else are we going to talk about today? Uh, Zach will take us through the history of the game, including some thoughts directly from the programmer of Qbert himself, Warren Davis. Then we'll hear about memories of the game from our community and from this group, and we'll compare them with our experiences revisiting Qbert all these years later. We'll then have our hashtag Beat Retro Game Guys competition to see if any of our listeners can beat our scores. And we'll wrap with our monthly gift card giveaway, where someone will win a $25 gift card for their favorite console. But before we get to all of that, let's move on to some podcast updates. Uh, First, we wanted to dedicate this episode to seven-time classic Tetris champion Jonas Neubauer, Mm -hmm. who unfortunately passed away on January 5th from a sudden medical emergency. He was just 39 years old. Sad. Yeah, we, we talked about Jonas in our Tetris episode back in October 2018, and we followed his success ever since. Jonas entertained around people around the world with his masterful skill on one of the greatest video games of all time, and the outpouring of love after his passing has made it clear what a great guy he was. Uh, this is a huge loss for the retro video game community, and our hearts go out to Jonas's family and friends. Rest in peace, Jonas. We're going to miss you. Yeah. So there's no easy way to transition from that, but I'm going to do my best by moving to a few thank yous. Mm. So for my updates, I wanted to say thanks to Qbert creator Warren Davis for sitting with us for an in-depth interview, which is available now. Uh, we spent an hour with Warren talking about his new book titled, You Can't Call It Cubert Noise. Uh, we also, blah, 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 whatever that is. We also chatted about the uh, development of Cubert, Laserdisc games, and his time working on arcade hits like Mortal Kombat, T2, the arcade game, and Revolution X starring Aerosmith. Loving and nothing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Living enough and I'm going down. Yeah. Gotta, you and I got to try that harmony that they do at the end of that oh, song. Yeah. That'll be, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ours will not be as good. No. Guaranteed. Well, not at all. As uh, Dustin said earlier, you'll hear snippets of the interview with Warren in today's episode. Um, but uh, we get to so much more in the full interview. So check it out. Uh, Warren also helped fact check this Qbert episode script, which we really appreciate. I mean, you really can't get a better fact checker than the guy who actually made the game. So awesome. Mm. Um, And in some exciting news, yesterday Warren shared with us that his book just got picked up by a publisher. Yeah. So the independently published version of the book has been pulled and it will be re-released later this year. How cool is that? All right. That's awesome. All right. So you cool. got a sneak peek, I guess, huh? Yeah. That's cool. Well, I told you guys during the interview that this 
was going to be the, the old version was going to be a limited edition and a collector's yeah. item. So there you go. Now it was. There you are. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Warren, for being a huge part of this Qbert episode. Yes. And uh, speaking to guys who helped make this episode better, a huge thank goes out to at Basic Gamer Bob and uh, the some some dude named the Archivist Guillermo. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> He's blushing. Look at him. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for helping us with this month's leaderboards. So Bob suggested that we set up a new leaderboard for this month's Beat Retro Game Guys score competition. And he also helped us set it up. And Guillermo here flexed his archivist skills and helped us maintain the scores throughout the month. And there were a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's clear that the boards brought out everyone's competitive nature, which we'll hear more about later oh, yeah. in this episode. <laughs> it was a tight one. Uh, and Alex, I can't wait to see how you did on the NES version of Qbert. You've been like blowing up social media, dropping hints that you might have actually yeah. beat me for the first mm. time in podcast history. So we'll have to wait. Could this be the episode, guys? We'll have know. to da, wait. Da, da, da. All right. And lastly, for me, a quick endorsement. If you have a ColecoVision, Atari 5200, 7800, or other retro system that doesn't have the most accurate stock controllers, reach out to our friend Mike at RetroGameBoys.com. And that's Boys with a Z, by the way, like boys to men. Boys to men, um, BBD. <laughs> you just trail off with, there at the end. Did you know Thanks for not singing, somewhere. I'll make love to you, Dustin. Right? Wow. <laughs> That's next. Like you want me to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, please. All right, so we have, we have an Aerosmith and two, uh, uh, yeah. what was it? Boys, boys to men, men songs yeah. on yeah. our uh, oh, yeah. volume two. Go. Love it. Uh, game Volume two mix. of the mixtape. There you go. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, so far, it's, a, it's an awesome mixtape already. Yeah, so, there we go. Uh, so Mike sells high quality custom controllers and accessories. And I've been super happy with my NES style pad for the ColecoVision. So if you want to learn more, go to at Retro Game Boys on Twitter or RetroGameBoys.com. Don't forget that Z. Uh, <laughs> Dustin, I think it's time that you pick up an Atari 7800 pad. So you can do somersaults in Impossible Mission with pinpoint accuracy. That's right. The best somersaults ever. So smooth. So smooth. <laughs> buttery, buttery. <laughs> Those are my updates. All right. Thank you, Zach. Last note for me before we get buttery. into Qbert. <laughs> Last note for me. Yes, I did. Before we get into Qbert, uh, be sure to follow at Retro Game Guys on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You'll find us there talking about retro gaming with people all around the world. I mean, seriously, I have way too many late night conversations with Europeans. Oh, totally. Me too. <laughs> They're having breakfast and I'm still awake. Um, also, at Retro Game Guys is where you're going to find us asking for your memories of each month's featured game. And we pick a winner of our gift card giveaway from those responses. Congratulations go out to Echoplex420247 for winning last month's giveaway. And we'll share this month's winner later in the show. Now over to Zach to give us a bit of the background, history, and interesting facts about Qbert. All right, here we go. Well, Qbert is a platforming and puzzle game developed by Gottlieb and released in the arcades in 1982 during an era that many call the golden age of arcade gaming. This was when games like Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Missile Command, and Asteroids were raking in millions in quarters, and video gaming was becoming a pop culture phenomenon. Uh, this is also the era that Dustin's parents let him wander around the arcades in his diapers unsupervised, right? I was five in 82. I was out of the diapers by then. They, I was wandering around the arcade unsupervised, but I was in the Oshkosh. All right. Uh, got it half right. Got it half right. The Oshkosh, you mean right. like little spenders the and overalls? stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looking like a train engineer. There you go. <laughs> Either way, they needed a break. Yeah, That's right. Way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, unlike many games of the era, Qbert wasn't another Pac-Man clone or space shoot 'em up. It had a personality all its own. Mm -hmm. 
Qbert was one of the earliest examples of a game that featured an isometric view playfield, giving the game a simulated 3D look. So both programmer Warren Davis and artist Jeff Lee were fans of surreal artist MC Escher. And I'm sure you guys have seen MC Wasn't Escher. Wasn't he in the Beastie stuff. Boys? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was in Boys to Men, I think, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so MC Escher, that's it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I think, before turntables, I think. I'm just guessing. <laughs> or microphones. Or microphones, yeah. I don't think microphones are around. I think it was, uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, well, anyway, MC Escher, his works feature like never-ending staircases. And the one that I remember the most because it, there was a huge uh, printout uh, posted in my sixth grade art class. It's a hand drawing a hand. Have you guys yeah. ever seen that one? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, you can definitely see Escher influence on Cuber's Playfield, which features a pyramid made up of 28 multicolored cubes in that 3D perspective. And there's even characters who defy the laws of gravity, which is a recurring theme in Escher's work. Mm-hmm. Now, in the game, uh, your job is to control Cubert, a cute orange character with a big nose, as he hops from cube to cube to change each cube's color. Now, the goal of the game is to change all of the cubes on the screen to a target color while dodging balls that bounce down the pyramid from the top and avoiding a cast of bad guys. Now, some of the enemies that make life hard for Cubert include Coily the Snake, who bounces from cube to cube in direct pursuit of Cubert. Love that guy. (laughs) Best friends, best friends. He's very persistent, that Coily. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And he can only be defeated by Cubert jumping onto specially placed discs that float next to the pyramid. Uh, The discs will carry Cubert to the top of the pyramid. Love in an elevator, back to the (laughs) pyramid. Third floor, women's (laughs) bathroom. Hello, Mr. Tyler. Going down, yeah. (laughs) Stupid. Anyway, uh, well, while that's happening, Coily comically jumps off the pyramid to his doom. And isn't that satisfying, guys, when that happens? Yeah, oh, yeah. I love timing it just as he's coming at me and getting onto that platform. It's great. And he's dead. Uh, dead. Well, there's also uh, Ugg and Wrongway, who hop on the sides of the cubes and are hard as heck to predict. Uh, and Slick and Sam, who will revert uh, revert cubes back to their original color, yeah. annoyingly undoing all of your hard work. And uh, those two guys can really screw you up. Uh, so much so that a couple of our listeners have taken it to calling them S-Pickle. And you guys know what S stands for. <laughs> uh, slick? Exactly. Slick Pickle? <laughs> slick, slick Pickle. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was teeing it up for him. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. One time in band camp. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it, <laughs> in LA, hashtag Alex's LA Alex stories. Alex's LA stories. Slick Save, pickle. Save, Save heard that name in slick. years. There's the subtitle. Or Slick Pickle. In uh, Qbert, there are nine levels with four rounds each. And typically, the game's puzzle elements get more challenging as you pass each level. Uh, for example, in level one, jumping on a cube once is enough to change it to the target color. But in level two, you have to jump on each cube twice. And in level three, things get even trickier as jumping on a cube more than once changes the color back to the original Ooh. color. Mm. Mm. Exactly, grown. Uh, and that's where the puzzle elements get truly uh, more difficult because you have to change the cubes in a certain pattern to succeed. Now, the game's rules change for five levels, and then the game just repeats, although the level number increases to level nine and then just stays there. Uh, I'm totally uh, predicting here that all of us got to level nine, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, I actually saw level 10. I didn't know about you guys. <laughs> you did. I don't know what you're talking about. That's like some high school, or not high school, that's like some uh, schoolyard stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been to level 10. My dad oh, got to yeah. level 10 last night. I saw the number. I saw it on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was actually uh, level 20. Uh, so Qbert was primarily developed by just three people, including the two guys I mentioned earlier, programmer Warren Davis and artist Jeff Lee. And uh, joining them was audio engineer David Thiel. 
Mm. Kubert would be Warren Davis's first professional game development project, and it was developed in his first year at Gottlieb. Wow. So uh, home run. Wow. Yeah. Right off the right bat. Out the gate. Right. right. Out the gate. Uh, in our interview, I asked Warren about the development of Kubert. Here's what he shared. It started as a programming exercise, and it was what I would call uh, an evolutionary design. And what, by, what I mean by that is, you know, I didn't know anything really about making video games. I had, I had worked a little bit on, um, on, a, on a game called, uh, well, it had many names. Uh, I call it Providgard Argus because it had the names Protector, Video Man, Guardian, and finally Argus, and it was never released. But I worked as a supplemental programmer helping out the main programmer slash designer, Tom Malinowski. Uh, so I learned a little bit about the hardware, but I really didn't do much. Uh, and I wanted to teach myself more things, uh, like for example, gravity, because uh, nothing I did in, the, in uh, Providgard Argus had gravity. Uh, and so, you know, and randomness. So those are the two things that got me started. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I started developing just uh, this thing to, to test out pro, uh, randomness and gravity. And uh, eventually I had the, the pyramid with balls bouncing down it and people would look at it and go, wow, that's pretty cool. I go, okay, well, geez, I guess, you know, if you think of the pyramid as a play field, uh, you know, I need a player to jump around. So uh, I, that's when I went to Jeff Lee and Jeff Lee had a whole bunch of characters he designed and, you know, he might've had plants for them, but nobody else was using them. So I asked if I could use them and he said, yes. And uh, yeah, I picked the sort of like pathetic looking orange guy with the big <laughs> nose as the player and uh, off we went. Um, so yeah, it was a, it just every time I programmed something then I would stop and go, okay, well, what should I do next? And literally that's how the game developed from start to finish. There was never any master plan. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. And how long was that, that uh, whole period of, of programming Cubert? How long did it take you? I want to say I started uh, toying with it in either March or April of 1982. And I think by, you know, August or September, it was ready to go out on test. Mm. Wow. So I, you know, um, I, I think the core development time is maybe four, five months, something like that. Well, there you go. Wow. Now, how cool is that? Just thinking about uh, him messing around at the early days of video game development and programming and really just experimenting around and, and, and working with others and just like the, the, the frontier is so wide open at that point. Absolutely. And out comes Qbert. Like, yeah. let's, let's yeah. just experiment with gravity and a pyramid and see what happens. And suddenly we get, we get this best-selling video game out of it. Insane. Now, because of Qbert's isometric view, the character only jumps diagonal. So Warren felt that the game would need special controls to account for this. So he rotated the game's joystick 45 degrees. So the primary control directions were not up, down, left, and right, but the four diagonals. Now, this unique control scheme frustrated some players at first including some of us, I'm sure. Uh, but, after, <laughs> but after a while, yes. uh, most gamers got used to it. And the unique control scheme didn't prevent Qbert from succeeding in the arcades. Also, as Warren tells it, the prototype joystick for Qbert was mounted on an upside-down Tupperware bucket. All right. That's some sophisticated stuff right there. Going back to Tupperware, I dig it. Yeah. By the way, I'm uh, almost afraid to say anything about joysticks after our Kung Fu episode. <laughs> <laughs> Got to shake that joystick, right, Alex? Well, not at a 45-degree angle. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You might hurt something. That uh, does not hurt work for yeah. Qbert, I don't think. You want to know how you, you don't get a nickname like Slick Pickle. 
<laughs> moving the joystick at 45 degrees. That's just an awkward. So the gameplay in Cubert is fast and furious, <laughs> and you have to master the diagonal controls, avoid the onslaught of enemies, and it only takes a single touch by an enemy to defeat Cubert. And uh, when Cubert gets hit, he swears by making a garbled noise accompanied by a cartoon bubble, which uh, seems like random punctuation characters in the bubble. It's like an at symbol, exclamation point, uh, asterisk, question mark, at symbol, right, exclamation right. point. It's pretty crazy. Um, but before the game was called Cubert, like those punctuation characters would almost become the name of the game. That's, that's right. Yeah. Um, and there's also a funny story about how the team at Gottlieb came up with the eventual name Cubert. So let's listen to Warren tell the story. The name came out of a meeting we had, uh, a two, at least a two-hour meeting. We had to name this game. Obviously, it wasn't going to be the cartoon balloon. What are we going to name it? And uh, I had tried to poll the people in the office to get ideas because I really didn't have an idea. I, I called it the Cubes game for the entire development. It was just the Cubes game. So none of the names that anybody came up with in the office sounded good to me so we had a meeting uh it went on and on and on and people talked and talked and talked and we couldn't come up with anything at the very end of the meeting i think we were all very exhausted uh somebody wrote down on the board well what about hubert and they wrote down h-u-b-e-r-t why hubert we said and they said well, and he said i think this was rich tracy by the way is our art director uh why why hubert and he says well it's a, it's a cute name it's a cute character it's a cute name he looks like a hubert right and then somebody else went up and they said well what about this and they changed the h to a c so now it said cubert and the word cube was in there and everybody's like mm, oh yeah like we might be onto something here and then somebody raced the cu and replaced it with a Q. And they were like, Q-Bert. And like, we're frothing at the mouths now. We're like, wow, we got something. We got something. And I think they put a the a Q dash. And then Jeff Lee went up and changed the dash to an asterisk. And then we all leaped out of our chairs <laughs> and had an epiphany. Um, it was it not was that locker dramatic. room after the World Series. You know, just everybody. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. And then we all went to Disneyland. There you go. Uh, no, but that that was really. It really was a, an amazing, weird energy. But we all just were like, yes. We everybody in that room was like, yeah, I think That's we got awesome. it. Awesome. That cool. is a, that is a um, iterative process, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, that's how they came up with Cubert, uh, and they almost did something weird. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, you got to love that the genius of the brainstorming meeting. It gets kind of a bad name sometimes, but man, sometimes you come up with the craziest stuff just trying to throw it up on a whiteboard and see what sticks, or probably back then a, a chalkboard. Yeah, chalkboard. <laughs> totally. So, how many of those uh, original collectible cabs do you think JP has in the vault? Oh, man. <laughs> He'll never tell us. Can you imagine the what the kids would have uh, come up with on their own? <laughs> right. Oh. You know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If it was just that weird name. If it was going to be a hit anyway, I would have liked to have seen that. What would they have called it? I don't know. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> so Cubert quickly became popular in the arcades. They would have thought of a name. Um, and it wasn't just due to the unique, fun gameplay. So Jeff Lee's cartoony artwork was bold and eye-catching. The game cabinet was bright yellow, and the cute and silly characters were splashed all over it. So yeah, like imagine this bright cabinet with strange characters like sitting in a sea of like dark space shooter games i think must yeah, have just yeah. been like a shining beacon of light 
in these totally. arcades. It's crazy. Amongst um, all the cigarette smoke. Exactly. <laughs> in the back of the bar. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, and wandering children in diapers. Uh, <laughs> Oshkosh. Oshkosh. Osh, that's right. Oshkosh. Uh, so, <laughs> so there wasn't much, by the way, of music in Qbert, but the sound was an important part of the game's personality and allure. Sound engineer David Thiel used a speech synthesizer to create Qbert's playful voice but it was difficult to make Qbert say intelligible phrases. So David Thiel fed the synthesizer random instructions. He's like, screw it, just say this. And uh, of course, out came gibberish. Um, But that led to, it was like a happy accident. It led to the iconic swearing sounds that we talked about and the voices of Slick, Sam, Ugg, and Wrong Way. Now, while Qbert mostly speaks gibberish, I found that Qbert does say a couple of actual phrases. So when you turn on the arcade, he says, hello, I'm turned on. Uh, And when you finish registering your high score, (laughs) hello, I'm turned on. (laughs) When you finish- Sounds like something Alex would say. It does. That line doesn't work too well in the the real world as much as you think it would. (laughs) Yeah. When you register your high score, Qbert says, bye-bye also. Yeah. You should say, give me another quarter, because that's usually what happens. Not uh, for me. You know, <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> and to take the game's uniqueness up one more notch, Qbert also featured a pinball knocker, which would knock loudly against the cabinet if Qbert falls off the pyramid. Or I should say, when Qbert falls off the pyramid, because yeah. uh, it happens a lot. Uh, we had to learn more about this uh, pinball knocker thing, and here's what Warren said. The idea came from one of our engineering technicians named uh, Rick Ty, mm. and it was his idea. He just thought, you know, Kubert's falling. What if there was a like a pinball knocker at the bottom of the cabinet? So we we said, well, let's try it. It sounds like a cool idea. So um, I programmed in what I had to to make it work and uh, listened to it. But I have to say, I was very disappointed because. It hmm. was not the sound I wanted. I, I, I'm thinking, here's Cuber, a body falling, and I want to hear a thud. Right. I want to hear like a body. <laughs> I don't know like how realistic, splat. but yes. I want to hear something that <laughs> sounds kind of like a body. Uh, <laughs> I, I would describe it as like a sack of potatoes, maybe. Right. Um, and this is like a knock, like somebody knocking at the door. So I, I was disappointed. Um, and then, you know, we kind of kicked around uh, ideas of what we could do. And then someone came up with the idea of taking a piece of foam. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but the ends, uh, well, maybe you never even knew, but uh, uh, chips, uh, like uh, integrated circuit chips would come yeah. in these long plastic tubes. And there'd be these little foam pieces that, that would stick at the end to, blo- to stop them from sliding out. And we mm-hmm. put a little piece of foam where the knocker hits and the sound was perfect it was like oh my god that's it so we went to management and we said oh this is you gotta you gotta let us put this feature in and uh they were like oh we don't mind putting the knocker in but we can't put in the phone because of the labor involved to to just perfectly place this foam and glue it and maybe blah, blah, blah. And for somehow that was going to add like $15 to the cost of the game and that was too much and Anyway, they decided not to go with the foam, but to go with the knocker. So yes, it's a very cool feature. I'm, you know, very gratified. People like the feature, but I know how much better it could have been. And I, I do suggest to people they try it. There you go. If you if you own a Cubert, yeah. All right. Well, that's how the uh, the knocker came to be. Yeah, you know, they didn't mind putting the knocker in, but then the foam was too much. It's like, why don't you just 
put a so, dampener on the knocker. I think the, the knocker is kind of an out of the box part. So they, they, you yeah. know, it's easy to put together and screw in. It doesn't have to be hundred percent accurate in placement. And well, they're a pinball company. Something, too. Yeah. right. <laughs> something about trying to get the right foam in the right place with the right, you know, strike distance and all that, man. Yeah. $15 to the, yeah. to the game is ridiculous. For bunch a, a bunch of engineers overthinking the foam placement. Right. Like, right. That's not the right this angle. Isn't, this isn't the sh- nose cone of the shuttle, people. Just put it in the cabinet. <laughs> Glue stick, go. Right. <laughs> totally. Anyway. That's funny. Well, Qbert became a massive success for Gottlieb. Yeah. The game was a hit with critics and game players alike, and Gottlieb reportedly sold 25,000 cabinets and uh, remember that cabinets sold for thousands of dollars each. Uh, one source I read noted the price at twenty or two thousand six hundred dollars, and that's nineteen eighties dollars. So Gottlieb, yeah, made a ton off the cabinets, and the distributors and arcade operators made money on Qbert as well because millions of quarters were sunk into these games by players across the country, and demand for new machines was super high. And Qbert's success didn't stop in the arcades. The game was ported to no less than 10 home systems and sold very well, most notably on the Atari 2600. Now, David Hampton, who programmed the Atari 2600 version, said that the exact sales numbers uh, were not released, but he got a penny a cartridge in royalties. And as a result, he was able to put a (laughs) $40,000 down payment on a house. (laughs) A lot of pennies. Right. Uh, So I think it's safe to say that the 2600 port did pretty well. And uh, speaking of ports of Qbert, Warren had a few things to say about them. Let's check it out. Well, the one that I liked the best was the ColecoVision. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just felt like it looked the closest to Qbert. It looked, uh, it played the closest. Um, yeah, I just felt all the others were pretty much lacking. There may have been one other that was pretty close, but uh, ColecoVision is the one I, I always liked the best. That is a really good version of that game. In fact, more people need to play the ColecoVision in general. It's just great graphics, especially for the time. That's such mm-hmm. an amazing system. It just needs more, needs more attention, I think. We all know the Atari, but uh, yeah, check out the ColecoVision. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only uh, home game system I had back in those days. Okay. ColecoVision. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm kind of on a collector kick with ColecoVision right now. Not, not <laughs> oh, good. Either. Another one you're yeah, collecting yeah, another for. Another one, right. <laughs> <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a sickness. Uh, speaking of Atari, though, you, you talked about the Atari 2600 version very briefly in your book. I think you said something like ick or yuck or something like that. So w- maybe is that the probably your least favorite <laughs> port? Well, you know, come on, just look at it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I'm I'm going out on a limb there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're no. staking your you're not staking your reputation on this on this wildly you know uh, out of left field. Uh, <laughs> and and listen, opinion. I mean, please, I want to be very clear. I uh, you know, props galore to whoever had to program that. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, again, you're you're trying to you're trying to make a game do something on a system that it was never designed to do. Yeah. I mean, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred really was not intended to you know, to display cartoon graphics like, like Hubert. So, and, and uh, I think uh, I talk about this in the book as well, that, you know, the arcade industry was always looking for a way to stay ahead. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we, it, we always felt we, we had to be better than the home systems. Cause if the home system started catching up, well, why would anybody go into the arcades if they could play, have the same experience at home? Mm. Uh, and yeah. granted there's a social element that cannot necessarily be replaced but uh at home but totally agree. but still you know we were always trying to stay one step ahead 
Very and you're not going to get a wow. pinball knocker at home either. So that's awesome. Everyone needs to play the ClicoVision. I'm going to keep Apparently. saying it. it's awesome. It is awesome. Let me tell you something. I'm fascinated by all these uh, stories of these 1980s uh, companies. ColecoVision started out making leather goods. Right. 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 And leather. <laughs> and yeah. They're a video game company. <laughs> this pinball machine company has one uh, has a, a, a hit of a video game landed on their laps. And, yeah. uh, you know, I guess well, the, the, that's history. And that goes to, you know, your earlier point about that the uh, um, the market was wide open, right? There was yeah. a land of possibilities, you know, so. Yeah, the totally. 80s, man. Yep, there you go. Yeah. It's interesting to hear him talk about uh, the need for the arcade designers to feel a step ahead of the consoles, too. Yeah. Like, it always mm-hmm. felt like that, where, you know, you see stuff in the arcade, be like, wow, I wish my, my Nintendo looked like that, and it just didn't. And I never thought about them, like, consciously, you know, trying to stay one step ahead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were they were pushing the graphics, they were pushing the sounds, they were pushing the the you know user interfaces. What kind of handlebars can we use that you? Well, the get experience home we got knocker. The thing yeah. actually makes yeah. physical noises from the cabinet. Right, right. Like that's crazy. And and you know what? Listen, the eighties. Your your mom took you to the mall. She didn't want to take you. She didn't want to walk past the arcade because you right. know what would happen. She'd end up <laughs> staying there an extra twenty minutes because you're burning through five bucks of quarters. Dipping into you know my saying? mom's coin purse. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, moving on here, as the legacy of Qbert goes, Qbert uh, will become one of the most recognizable video game characters of the early 80s, which would lead to massive merchandising, as if Qbert didn't make enough money, right? Uh, <laughs> one Gottlieb catalog mentioned that Qbert had 125 licensed products. Wow. Uh, I really wish I had a list because it's probably hilarious. There's probably some funny stuff in there. Qbert like underwear. Like kitchen towels. Qbert yeah. underwear. Yeah, Where's exactly. the nose go? Yeah, those good nose goes in the front there, buddy. Yeah, you you know that, you know, you know. There's a '80s uh, like uh, sweatbands and uh, like oh, yeah. that kind of a thing. There, on that there better not be a Cubert T-shirt though, because you shouldn't have armholes, right? <laughs> so that's right. That's right. <laughs> no I do arms. Want, I do want a Cubert T-shirt. Uh, well, Cubert became a uh, multimedia success also as a character got its own Saturday morning cartoon. That's right. Um, and yeah, the character was drawn with arms. And I, we heard from Warren that yeah, the artist Jeff Lee wasn't a fan of Qbert uh, having arms. Yeah. Uh, which it was, a, that was a pretty big deal getting a Saturday morning cartoon because those were the days before, you know, you could watch cartoons 24 seven. Those were like, right. you know, primetime car- cartoon watching at that point. Mm-hmm. It's those days. Yeah. Uh, in uh, later years, Qbert would spawn a few sequels and spinoffs like Qbert's Cubes in 1983, which introduces a new play field with rotating cubes. It looks very difficult. I haven't played it, but I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, direct sequels like Qbert 3 in 1992, which took the game in creative new directions. Reckoning or- <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Qbert 3. The Reckoning. The Revenge of Q. Right. <laughs> Coily's Revenge. Coily Strikes Back. Go. There you go. Oh boy. Recoiled. We'll just keep going. <laughs> oh, All right. oh you're you're on it. Yeah, boy. Right. All right, moving on. Um, so while Qbert, the character hit its peak of popularity in the 1980s, the little orange guy is still making appearances in modern times. Mm-hmm. He was featured in the 2012 uh, Disney movie Wreck It Ralph. Yep. And in the Adam Sandler comedy Pixels, which came out a few years later. He was the um, hero of that movie. Yes. And yeah. uh, he's supposed to be, he's going to be in a new movie too. I think this year, or next year uh, as well. Okay. So I forgot the name of it, but yeah, it's like, he'll, he'll keep going. Wow. Uh, and the rights to Cubit are owned by Sony pictures entertainment. So that all kind of makes sense. There doesn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Gottlieb sort of uh, threw in the Kubert towel, huh? <laughs> the the Kubert the kitchen cash. towel. Well, Gottlieb's parent company was was bought a, a couple oh, of times. Yeah. Sounds like uh, so. Well, there's I a think this bit is of kind of a hand down, to, you know, like IP handing through yeah. different yeah. transfers and buyouts and things. Yeah. Right. Uh, so in 2015, a modern remake called Kubert Rebooted, which Dustin, you mentioned earlier, came out yep. for the PS3 and PS4. Uh, also includes a pretty faithful recreation of the original arcade game. Some of us played it. Mm-hmm. And uh, most recently in 2019, a Kubert mobile game was released for the iOS and Android um, that has 52 unlockable Burt's uh, yep. character slash characters, including old school Burt, which unlocks at level 100 and allows you to play as the original pixelated Kubert from 1982. That's right. Cool. Um, and speaking of old school, next year will mark the 40th anniversary of Qbert. So hey. I seriously hope we get a new game or something to commemorate the important date. Maybe uh, more more licensed products or something like that. <laughs> That's right. A whole bath towel set now. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ret- retro style. Right. There you go. Um, but seriously, like, what I re- want to see is a. Um, have you guys seen those replicades? Have yeah. You guys yeah. Those? Yeah. Oh my God, they're so cool. There's this company called New Wave Toys. They come out with these 12 uh, inch, like one six scale replica arcades. Super like detailed. Like yeah. we really need a Qbert replicate. That would be sweet. I think the last one that they just put out was Dragon's Lair. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, oh. it's mm. really cool. Uh, even though I'm not a huge, the biggest Dragon's Lair, it's just really cool that 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 that, that that's a such a unique type of game from that time frame, right? Yeah, yeah. so so awesome. It better have that damn diagonal joystick, by the way, if they're going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, damn, oh, yeah. I'm sure it will. I'm sure. For it will. Keeper, yeah. <laughs> okay, well that wraps up the history segment, and now to help us learn more about the game, here are five ridiculously interesting facts about Hubert. I'm trying to. Bye bye. Bye bye. And for the first time in our podcast history, uh, I'm getting off easy. We got a few interesting facts directly from the programmer himself. So let's cut to that. Uh, One I would say is that there was a Qbert pinball machine. I don't know that a lot of people know about that. Um, It would have had a pinball knocker in it, I would guess, right? uh, I I would guess, I would bet that it does. Uh, Called Qbert's Quest. So okay. that's that's one thing. Um, I'm trying to think. Wow. Uh, I don't. I'm. I don't. I'm always surprised because I've talked about it for years. But I think some people still don't know that there was a follow-up to Cubert called Faster, Harder, More Challenging Cubert, mm. um, which is personally my Cubert of choice. It's the one that I prefer because mm. it was made in response to getting reports back that people were playing Qbert for hours and hours and hours on a single quarter. So, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I was have like, that. oh my, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we made a second one, but it, it never got officially released and it got unofficially released to MAME in the 90s. Uh, right. And that story is also in the book. Um, but uh, then, um, let's see. Um, what's another fact about Qbert? Oh, uh, I can probably say that uh, Jeff Lee hates when Qbert is drawn with arms. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't have <laughs> arms. And he's not supposed to have arms. And I'm totally with Jeff on this. Oh, like in some of the uh, cartoon adaptations or such you're talking <laughs> yeah, about? Like yeah. Liberties yeah. with the design? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, 
Let's see. What, I don't, are any of these? He doesn't. You're right. Are any of these? Do, are any of these satisfying the criteria? <laughs> yes. Of yes. We're, I think we're good. These <laughs> ridiculously <laughs> interesting. Just, I don't know. I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for one more. I think it was because I need to come up with five for our next episode <laughs> on humor. Right. So I'm hoping you do my work for me. No. Uh, you know that those are very interesting. I will tell you one thing. One interesting fact I took away from the book, which was the fact that that Kubert's nose was originally going to shoot something. Is that right? That was like the, well, one of the early discussions or designs. This is, uh, well, this is one of the uh, the the, uh, the lore the, the, that gets passed down. Uh, I read it a lot. It's not entirely accurate, but it's not entirely false. So, uh, Jeff Lee, who created all the graphics, genius of an artist, fantastic person. Uh, my collaborator all throughout this Kubert process uh, was, uh, you know, he had the idea, I believe, when he designed the character. Because like I said earlier, he designed the character before I used him for this particular game. But I think it was his idea that he this character would shoot out of his nose. And mm -hmm. I think that's a brilliant idea. Unfortunately, it didn't really work in the context of the game that I was trying to make for I would say two reasons. One is the the sort of the 3D uh, pseudo 3D nature, because you know mm -hmm. your nose the nose is pointing in different directions and like where is it really going when you're shooting and the physics of it just seemed like it would be very very difficult. The collision detection would have been difficult. And this was my first game. I was not looking to make it more complicated than it needed right. to be. I was really trying to make it as easy as it could possibly be. Uh, easy to program, I should say, not easy to play. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so I, I just kind of nixed that idea out of the gate. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I thought it was hysterical. Uh, I thought the name Snots and Boogers was hysterical, but uh, I never actually considered it as, as the game was being developed. Snots and Boogers was almost a title of the game or well, i think it was a joke title that yeah. jeff thought of and 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 maybe he was serious you know uh i always thought yeah, that might have been something to talk about i always thought it was a joke <laughs> and i thought it was a good joke but i it go. was not for in my mind it was not something you know and it, you know since i nixed the shoot if, if the shooting was in there i would have considered it but uh there you go mm -hmm. yeah gotcha so i know Dustin wants to ask you a couple questions but before i let him do that i'm curious how good of a Qbert player are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, I'd say I'm a little. You know, average to below average, probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to it's a show great. a couple of years ago. It was Let's Play in uh, in Dallas or outside of Dallas, and uh, uh, you know, one of the one of the events was having me play the winner of a Qbert competition. So 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 basically, they had all these people playing a Qbert competition. And then whoever won that competition who's clearly a good Cubert player, right? Played me. So it was no contest whatsoever. Right. No That's contest. Crazy. Oh. All right. And you have that that faster, uh, was a harder, faster, more challenging Cubert. You have a, one of those at home? Yes, in right? fact. So I, you know, I have one of the engineering samples, is what they gave to me. And it's I I put those ROMs in there uh, of the of the faster, harder, more challenging version. And that's all that was in there for years and years and years. And the only time I would ever switch it out is if I had maybe a guest come over who was like, this is too hard. I want to play the real Q-Bird. <laughs> then I would put the regular ROMs back in. Well, there you go. That was five ridiculously interesting facts direct from Warren Davis himself. That's right. Awesome cool. stuff. Thank you. Really I, cool. Dude, let me tell you something. If uh, Qbert had shot things out of his nose, <laughs> if you, you put a jump button in and you use the... Uh, 
joystick as the direction he looks at, and then you add a shoot button to shoot things, <laughs> that becomes Super Mario Brothers almost. You know what I'm saying? Way. It becomes really, really good. All right. Maybe All maybe right. we can see a, a future Cubert game where he shoots down. his nose. A side-scrolling Cubert. You know, yeah, I'm I down. also love how during that that Zach was trying to milk more out of him, like, "Hey, I need to, make, I want my job to be easier here. Give me more facts." <laughs> that was right, great. right. I was like counting. I'm like, "Okay, there's one more, two more." Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's so great about that, Dustin? It what's actually that? worked. I didn't have to. It did. <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, you got it. All right. Well, thank you, Zach. Uh, now let's uh, talk about memories of playing Cubert back in the day. Uh, I talked a little bit to Guillermo before the podcast, and he didn't have much to say about memories. So uh, let's kick it off here with Alex. Alex, your memories of Cubert back in the day. I played Cubert in not even in an arcade, in a laundromat. There you go. Laundromat right next door to a round table pizza in the Chinese food place. <laughs> and uh, the only reason uh, we used to go to that, well, our washing machine broke a few times, but besides that, uh, uh, it was right next to like the Long's Drug Store that had all the candy that we could ride our bikes oh, yeah. to super quick. So yeah. with all the change that we got, we would just go to uh, play some video games. And uh, listen, Cubert was always a uh, a game that was always free. There was never anyone on it, and yeah. um, it was still a quarter, but it was free. It was still a quarter. Play. It was available to play. Yeah, yeah, it was still a quarter, and uh, it it. It was simple. It wasn't like um, Rygar where it's this whole like story and I have to like do all these missions or anything. It's like, no, dude, it's, it's as easy as Pac-Man. You just put a quarter in and you just like evade the enemies and that's pretty much it. And um, I always liked that. And I was never really good at it, um, mm. but it did take a significant amount of quarters for me for sure. Oh, there you go. Uh, quickly go to my memory and say, uh, I had forgotten until I started playing this game again that this was a game that, uh, like I would have amnesia about. I'd walk into an arcade or whatever and say, oh, Cubert, that's a fun little game. Let's put a quarter into that. I'd die within like three minutes or less and go like, oh, that's right. This game is really <laughs> hard. And I just, it's too easy to die uh, in yeah. the arcade version. You just jump to your death. I'm not good at jumping games. We've had this conversation many times on this podcast, <laughs> right? So I just, it's one of those games where I'm just like, oh, Hey, Cubert, it's in the, I, I haven't played this game in a while. Let's put a quarter in and then, oh, damn it. And then like six months later, oh, Cubert, I like this game. Let's put a, <laughs> damn it. So that, that's my memories of the game is just continually fooling myself that I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> how about yourself, Zach? So I played the arcade version as a kid, but my memories are really tied to the Atari 2600 version. Yeah. That was one of the, the earliest games that I had on the Atari. I got really good at it too. Um, and yeah, I don't remember as a kid, I don't remember being frustrated with the controls at all, which is really strange. Um, yeah. As an adult, it was a little bit more difficult, but yeah, I, I just remember having fun with it. Um, but for some reason, what I remember the most about Cubert from back in the day was uh, how unique those Parker Brothers uh, game cartridges were on the Atari. Do you guys remember oh, those? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were like the same for like Frogger, the Star Wars yeah. games, they were G.I. Joe. Kind of like stripes on the side. Right? Yeah, they had like these ridges on the side. Yeah. They had really yeah. cool like silver label labels. They were like all mm -hmm. angled and stuff. Um, plus the Cubert artwork, like the Frogger artwork, was just phenomenal. Super, the, super good. I think I had the Frogger of that. I, was it Empire Strikes Back? Didn't were they the, from that yeah, cartridge too? They yeah. Were. So yeah, those are two I remember. Yeah, they were so cool. And then the boxes were these big, you know, beautiful silver boxes yeah. with the, the really large artwork. So yeah, just yeah. the Parker Brothers games were were super, super cool back then. That's right. Yeah, Parker Brothers uh, was all over that and board games. I I probably I think I had mm -hmm. the Pac Man. I know I had the Pac-Man board game, and I think it was Parker Brothers that put that one out too. 
uh, somebody can correct me out there in uh, internet land of <laughs> at him actually, at Dustin if he's yeah, wrong at, at Dustin yeah. RGG on who the <clears throat> Pac-Man that that Pac-Man board game was super fun though you had the little Pac-Man marbles on a yep. board game surface and you you chomped I really uh really dug that they have one, a new so. version too you can actually get it at Target right now for $13.99 I'm seeing oh so, I might yeah. have to check that out that's cool uh, and you were wrong sir that was a Milton Bradley in Milton Bradley the well it was one of the two oh, it's, yeah. it's Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley it's always one of the two. <laughs> uh, all right guys uh, now let's move on to our listeners memories uh we asked our friends on social media to finish this sentence my fondest memory of playing cubert is uh once again we got a ton of responses thank you so much here are just a few of my favorites at terracotta stew said the sound you could hear it's unmistakable from across the arcade and eight-year-old me was drawn to it like a moth to a flame Combined with its bright colors, cartoony graphics with attitude, and puzzly gameplay, it was the game for me at that time and still is. Wow. And, and you can tell he's uh, damn good at Q-Bird, which oh, we'll okay. we'll to talk about. All right. Our, uh, our buddy Derek, or at Hailstorm1985, said, I remember how much my dad loved this game. He was a truck driver and spent some time in the arcades at truck stops. Uh, we rented Cubert for NES uh, one weekend, and he just mopped the floor with me and my brother. Nice, <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love when I do that to my kids. It, I, my my oldest is now finally been able to start beating me at Mario Kart every once in a while, and it's taken him d- d- over a decade. I'm, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, mopping the floor with your kids uh, in in video games is one of the it's highlights the of being it's a father. The, it is the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philip A said, it's one of the first games I remember understanding how to play. I was about four or five years old and played it on my Atari 2600, the one with the wooden sides, sitting in front of a small 13-inch TV. Well, that was a normal size TV back then. I don't know yeah. what he's talking about. I know. <laughs> Actually, I saw that on Facebook and I asked Philip, I said, hey, was that a 13-inch black and white TV or color and uh, he said he actually they started with the 13 inch black and white TV and they upgraded yeah. to color. Woo. So um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I got to share with you guys, I actually have the 1970s black and white TV that I used to play Pitfall on at my grandparents' house growing up. Wow. So uh, years ago, my grandparents passed away. That's one thing that uh, that I got from them. It, it was sitting in some back room, and I was like, oh my gosh, I remember <laughs> as a kid hooking those little prongs up to the back of the black and white mm-hmm. tv and, and <laughs> right. sliding that box to you know <laughs> to game and going for it there you go cool at case nola says as a kid i don't ever recall i don't recall ever understanding what the real objective was but i do know i was compelled to commit a quarter mash the joystick and almost immediately fall off the edge hey that sounds familiar. <laughs> We're not alone uh, <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> The cabinet was captivating and it just felt necessary to try. And I think that was part of my thing too. It's just, it was just to draw that cabinet, you know, that, in that drab field of space shooters. And more um, than a couple of times I can remember uh, playing that game and be like, I wonder if I could jump, if I could fall off this thing. And yep, you can yeah. fall off it. <laughs> yeah, right away. In yeah. fact, sometimes. Yeah. Um, our good friend at Sega Master Tim says, the first time I came across this game was on the 2600 back around 1984. Uh, I was so frustrated with the controls because my hands were too small to hold the base of the controller. <laughs> I resorted to twisting the joystick 45 degrees and then held it between my feet on the floor just hey. so the joystick wouldn't slip back to its original position. Mm, there you go. <laughs> I like it. Using his feet on the joystick not to play the game, apparently, though, yeah, like some no. people here. Yeah, it's uh, guilty. That's for, that's for punch out only. 
Punch out only. There you go. You look that back up in the archives, right? There you go. Uh, so you said it looked ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And I'm sure if you look at a book about yoga positions, you will see the same pose titled Frustrated Cubert Warrior Pose. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> nice one, Tim. Uh, at Inti Lab says, I remember playing the version which had a mellow yellow cutscene. Oh, what? yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we didn't talk about that in the history. That's right. So no. we were talking earlier about, you know, uh, parent companies. Okay. So uh, for a time, uh, Coca-Cola owned Columbia Pictures, which then in turn owned Gottlieb. Oh, okay. And, uh, and Coke ran a um, Mellow Yellow ad campaign. Um, do you guys, by the way, do you guys remember Mellow Yellow? Oh, yeah. It's like the, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, what oh, was yeah. it? Coke's uh, Mountain Dew, I think it was. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So they ran, so Coke ran a Mellow Yellow ad campaign where they advertised a, this special version of Cubert, where Cubert would drink the soda through his nose in cutscenes. Hmm. And, uh, and, and get this, there's actually a sweepstakes to win that special arcade. Um, so I actually, I looked it up before the, uh, the episode and it says it's one of the rarest arcade machines out there. And I could totally understand well, it. Yeah. I don't know who even has it right now. But oh, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> it belongs <laughs> in a museum. Or J.P. Uh, Vault. Or JB's yeah, ball. Right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Now, uh, let's talk about the playthrough the retro game guys and uh, Guillermo here did over the past couple of weeks. We're going to look at four questions here. What versions did you play? Were they fun? Were they hard? And would you play Cubert again? So let's get going. Uh, between the four of us, we covered a few different versions. So let's talk about what versions we played. Zach, let's start with you. What versions did you play? I played the arcade. Um, mm. I played the NES version. I actually forgot they even made an NES game. I was like, did they make a Cubert game? And I looked under Q. I'm like, wow, there it is. I just never played it, I guess, in a lot of, a lot of years. Uh, the 2600 version and the Clico version. And then I wrapped it all up with that tiny arcade version. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I will go next. I played the uh, NES. I played the tiny arcade. I played the PlayStation 4. And I played the iOS version. Uh, I also wanted to play the arcade version, but I could not get MAME running to save my life. And I'm usually really good with this software thing. So I had to, I had to give up. There was one night I sent uh, Zach a few bitchy uh comments and texts and things and it was right after i couldn't get maimed to work to save my life and i was like leave me alone you bad person you you did this to me (laughs) so yeah so i couldn't get that working but i did try quite a few different versions uh what about you i played the android version too by the way i just remembered i played that one the the mobile version too yeah what about you No, i played the uh, nes version that's it yep that's it well you i you i put you saw you put some time into it so no he was chasing what about yourself I played uh, the arcade version until uh, Terracotta Stew put up a huge score. Uh, And then I moved on to the NES version, the NES version. I played that for a while. I tried the Game Boy Color version. It was a little bit funky. I tried the original. I think there was one on the Game Boy, too, where you couldn't even tell if you had already stepped on a uh, cube already. Nice. The black and white. Yeah, how the heck are you going to know? It was was pretty rough. Little uh, throwback to JP there. The only other person on this podcast who ever has called it the Ness. Oh, that's uh, right. (laughs) You're right. Deep cut. Deep Deep cut. cut. Deep cut. All right, guys. Well, let's move on to how fun Cubert was for you. Maybe some of the versions uh, had a slight difference. So just uh, with real briefly, talk about how fun playing Cubert was for you and any differences in fun between the different versions. Uh, Zach, start with you on this one. So I'm going to talk about the arcade version first. So I'd say I had equal fun and frustration with Cubert. 
So love the look of Cuber, the unique gameplay, the, the wacky sounds are so awesome. Like everyone needs to hear these sounds throughout the game. Like my wife was like, what the heck are you playing? It's just a bunch of <laughs> blah, 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 happening the whole time. Right, right. Um, and you get like, this totally amazing sense of accomplishment when you clear a level. And uh, yeah, totally oh, addicting. Okay. <laughs> um, I had so many of these like, I just want to play one more game type sessions, right? Like I can't stop playing this game. So yeah, I totally get why this game was popular in the arcades. With that said, I had some moments where this game made me absolutely rage. So like I had Cubert, <laughs> for example, like I have Cubert in like midair, just about to touch the last cube to finish a level. And then that damn slick pickle comes down and resets <laughs> yeah. the other blocks. And then those ugh and wrong way guys are trying to predict where they're going to go. They're always in my way. And like, it was just, it was maddening. I, I got so heated that I had to take some breaks. Like I had to actually step away from the game because oh, yeah. I was mm. just so hot because, you know, it was just crazy, but I, I had a great time doing it. Um, and I would just say for fun factor, arcade ranks number one, I think followed by the NES version, which I really came around to liking the more I played it. And the ColecoVision port, you know, especially for when it came out, was was exceptional. Cool. Guillermo, what about yourself? How much fun uh, was Cubert? Cubert uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I agree with Zach. The arcade and the NES were kind of a, a cut above everything else as far as fun-wise. And it, it was kind of like, at the end of this, it was fun, but now it is done. And I'm okay <laughs> <laughs> moving on. One of the best parts about it was uh, when I when I finally got into the NES version, and uh, I'd post a score and then like, like a half hour later, Alex would post a score, beat me. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I have to go back and play more humor <laughs> tonight. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But it was fun and now it's done. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Alex, how about yourself? Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I played on the NES. I'd never played the NES version before. Uh, I'd only played the arcade in the arcade before. Um, but, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was, uh, fairly pleasant. I agree with Zach though. Like at a certain point, um, especially because we were having a score competition, we were pushing ourselves to play Qbert probably a little bit more than we probably should have probably a lot more than I would have. Um, uh, but if it wasn't for that, I would not have pushed myself to, to see, uh, all the, the advanced stages. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I played Cubert more now than I ever had growing up, and uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah. A lot of Cubert, <laughs> a lot of Cubert, and um, it's a fun game. Uh, it's also, it's also still a quarter stealer. And if I had to pay a quarter every time I played the NES version, I'd be out of money. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, for me, Cubert is just not a fun game for me, and, and it's just it's me. It's me. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's me. I love there's people online like it might have been Guillermo or Jacob or somebody who were like, oh, yeah, maybe he's going to come in with a surprise score here. It's like, no, 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 there's jumping it, involved. It's a jumping game. Like, no, <laughs> um, I did have uh, Was there out a pucker of all factor. Of them, yeah. Do they, do right? they have a game where you just stand there? Is it impossible mission? Excel at that one. No, I mean, you know what? I did have fun on the iOS version, the iOS like old school arcade one, because the one thing that the one of the conceits or whatever they have on that one is you can't jump off the pyramid uh and being able to use a swipe uh do diagonal you, swipes do you do you get like afraid of heights on these games no is i just a little bit I, of like I, uh, afraid I, of falling digital no, heights? i just i just i'm trying to go so fast and beat what's going on and i make one bad move when i'm off the okay i don't have twitch reflexes i've never have cubert bumpers 
Yeah, no, and that's what the <laughs> iOS version offers, right? So you cannot jump off the pyramid. So uh, I was able to quick swipe and also, you know, you're not having to worry about the joystick or the D-pad not working, right? Because it's, it's all swipes. So I had fun on that version. Um, but yeah, the regular ones, pff, not so much. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about how challenging Qbert was. Uh, would you say the challenge is easy, medium, hard, extreme, and why? I'll start. I don't think that this game is an extreme challenge for most people. Um, knowing, you know, putting my handicap in there, uh, I think this is probably a medium challenge game. It, it um, you do have to have some focus and some some talent, but man, people can play this game. We know of people uh, that can play this game for hours. Uh, we've, we've, Zach and I have talked about these, you know, marathon sessions that people put into Qbert. Um, so if you're, if you, if you know what you're doing and you've got the Twitch mm -hmm. reflex and everything, this is, this isn't a super challenging game. It's just people like me who kind of suck at jumping. There you go. So, uh, what about, uh, you, Alex, would you think about the challenge easy, medium, hard or extreme and why? I'd say medium up to a point and then it gets extreme up to mm. a point. Um, right. The, the here's what I found really hard about this game is that the res the spawn area for the bad guys, or if you want to call them that, are on the corners of the pyramid. And when Cubert, when you need to uh, flip a color on a on a brick and or uh, do something else, like there's you have no heads up when a new enemy is going to hit the board, and there's yeah, very just, little yeah, reaction time. So if you're playing Super Mario Brothers, you can see a Goomba coming from the other side of the screen. When right. you're playing this game and you jump to the top of the pyramid or to the bottom or the right corner and the guy just comes and shows up onto the board, boom, you're dead. Like that's it. Like you hit you have what half second, maybe maybe a full second. Yeah, those two those two cubes, time. like cube number two and three at the top are like the danger zone. Because you danger yeah, zone. Yeah. Danger zone. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean Congratulations, uh, Gottlieb, uh, for making a game where you you literally have to go into the jaws of death every single time, like very, very often. Yeah, to to you know flip a flip or whatever, and and uh, I thought that was challenging. Yeah. All right, Zach. Uh, challenge: easy, medium, hard, extreme, and why? Uh, I'm going to back you up a little bit, Dustin. I'm going to say hard. The first part of the challenge was just learning how to control it, like we talked about yeah. um, on the NES version and actually on the arcade version too. I rotated my joystick, I rotated my controller, which makes a big difference. Yeah. But uh, the way that I countered the, the challenge a little bit was um, I memorized a pattern. So there is randomness involved, but I, I actually read this article from 1983 oh that was talking about if, you, if a pattern works and as long as you stick to that sequence, the oh next level will follow a predictable sequence. It's just oh when my you, god! Would you Rain Man this? <laughs> it's what weird. happened? Well, it actually me? there's helps. a cheat to this thing. Well, it's not really a cheat, but if you can stick to an, an actual path, you can kind of predict a lot of the game. Um, the problem is, I got through five or six levels without dying based on that, you know, uh, technique. But then the game is so much faster and harder that your strategy just goes out the window, and I'm just I go into survival mode by that point. Yeah, but I think there's people out there that just have memorized it and those strategies for all nine levels, and that's how they kind of complete. Hold on. So, what's the pattern? What's this pattern? There's a it's a different pattern for every um, round. You have to design what? the pattern, basically. Yeah, mm. I can still Did remember. You guys know about this? I didn't know about this. Yeah, I didn't know about this. Yeah, I I still have levels like one through three memorized Shady, right now, bro. Cheater. So, <laughs> <laughs> I will, Dustin. I was want to say one more thing though. Yeah. Um, I didn't really uh, talk too much about the uh, mobile game because I kind of I don't really consider it like a Qbert game. It's really really different. But dude, that game is so relaxing and fun overall. And you and you're so right. The swipe works great. It's kind of well, like 
missile command, like recharge, how easy it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the cube, there's two versions of the game in the iOS game, right? There's this new kind of one that you can go up to like 400 levels, but they actually have, once you get to level 10, it unlocks the arcade version of the game. It's not a 100% accurate uh, port. And then, like I said, it keeps you from falling off, but it That's is a pyramid. the score. It's the, py- no, it's the pyramid. It has the same enemies <laughs> coming in the same patterns. I noticed from the other versions of the game, you get about, you know, 1700 to 2000 points on the first level, just like the other one. So it is, and it follows the same patterns, at least for the first two or three pyramids that, that uh, the other ones do. So, I mean, it's not a hundred percent faithful, but it is close to what that is. Yeah. And it's, and it's fun. Um, my kids, by the way, got obsessed with it. My son, mostly, um, it's actually posted a, a picture on uh, Twitter today. Um, he was playing Cuber again. I'm like, Hey, what level are you on? And he was on level 461. Right. Of yeah. yeah. The new, the new version is definitely, yeah. Cause it, it doesn't even have pyramids in that. Some of them, like yeah. some of the levels are just like, it looks like lily pads, like from Frogger. But it's cool. Like different designs and stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah, I got a future retro gaming guru coming up on the, there you uh, go. There you, you go. And his diapers too, wandering the arcade. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> he's he's supervised, but uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Guillermo, let's uh, yeah, Guillermo, let's uh, round out here. Uh, challenge for you: uh, easy, medium, hard, extreme, and why? I don't know if I'd call it uh, probably hard difficulty, but uh, for the most part, when I first started playing, especially the arcade and the NES versions, I, I kept getting better, which is what I'm what I'm looking yeah. for for the most part. Okay. Yeah. Until I hit a limiting factor in both of them. And it was getting to level four. Like yeah. I was oh, yeah. one cube Brutal. away two times and that was it. I it was as close as I got to level four and that's where my scores maxed out. And that's where, you know, I, I had to retire. But uh, the, the difficulty, like I, I can see what you guys are talking about, how how, you know, you, you can figure out your patterns and you can kind of learn and, and predict which way the enemies are going to go. But uh, I, I could, uh, I just kept meeting my demise uh, on my way to get to level four. Yeah. So, well, with all that, would you play Qbert again, Alex? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zach? Definitely. Guillermo? For sure. In the future. A long time. In the future, yeah. Give it a, give it <laughs> a, a break. Face. Me and Qbert, uh, me and Slick Pickle need to take some time off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you, I found this guy selling a Qbert arcade in Southern California. Um, and it's like the sweetest deal, great price, all original, beautiful thing. I actually talked to Warren Davis about it. I was like, man, let's meet halfway and you could sign the marquee, you know? And then I had this moment where I'm like, if I bought that thing, my blood pressure would be through the roof playing keyword <laughs> every single day. It probably would be yeah. like detrimental to my health, how stressful this game is. So yeah, I could do it. For me, I'll probably pick up the little tiny arcade here and there, just put a, some time into it. Uh, and the iOS version, I only played that that kind of newish version up to level 10 to unlock the arcade version. So I'd like to see, I can't let Zach's son uh, get further than me on a video game. Yeah, 451 levels. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I'll, actually. Well, hey, there you go. Wasn't that part of the thing? Was it? I wanted yeah. one of my kids to be Dustin. I guess it happened. So. There you go. There you go. Not out. yet. Not yet. I'll put some time, more time in. Go. Now it's time to see if any of our listeners can beat the retro game guys at Qbert. Thanks to all of our listeners who sent us our play their playthroughs by using the hashtag #BeatRetroGameGuys. And once again, thanks to at @BasicGamerBob and the Archivist here for their help on the Qbert oh, yeah. leaderboard. Speaking of the Archivist, let's have Guillermo run through everyone's scores version by version, starting with the original arcade. Hey, okay, thank you. Yeah. The the arcade uh, definitely had the most players, so here's a quick top six. In sixth place, at Basic Gamer Bob came in around 28,000. Fifth place, LJ Larry White, uh, 28, almost 30,000. 
officially fourth place, but also the self-declared winner multiple that's, times. It's big right. ass uh, six five zero two with thirty four thousand. Yeah, he said he was going to go into the leaderboard and delete every other score, but his <laughs> didn't happen. Scratch out scores, and yeah. Uh, I ended up third at 55 and Zach second uh, with 61,000, meaning we all got demolished by at Terracotta Stew with a mind-blowing 111,510 oh, points. Man, when he dropped that, it was, I I, I didn't even, yeah. I couldn't even function. I, I couldn't understand. I was leading for a while and I was feeling pretty good about it because it was kind of crickets for a minute there at the top. I'm like, all right. And then, yeah, I saw that too. And it was just like... At that point, I'm going to the NES like, version. <laughs> yeah, at that point, you're like, okay, I give up. Yeah. Look, that's it. Right. right. And that's pretty much what I did. And it turned out that the, NES, uh, the NES competition was even... <laughs> <laughs> let me start that over again. <laughs> the NES competition was even more active back and forth. And honestly, wouldn't have been possible without uh, Basic Gamer Bob's amazing Game Gene codes, which he dropped uh, really early on in the process which made it possible to capture your high score on the NES version. So thank you, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. That, that so cool. really quick that what happens when you uh, die your last life is the game basically goes back to the title screen and you there's, it doesn't show your high score. So unless you take a picture, like the second you lose your last life, you can't get your high score. And yeah, Bob yeah. like hacks the game. Cause I think someone made a joke, right? Garrett was like, Hey, you know, unless someone can go into the code and hack the game, and like he actually got yeah. into the code. Like, hey, hold yeah. my beer. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I came up with some new game genie codes. Check them out, and it it like pauses the game after you lose your last life, so you can get your score. It's like, damn, man, it's pretty That's cool. Pretty so, thank you, basic hacker Bob. That's oh yeah. <laughs> That's so basic. <laughs> so yeah, the top three scores in the NES came down to Alex Zach and at Sore Thumb Collector. I don't know how it ended up. Uh, we're going to find out here shortly, but Alex was getting mm -hmm. feisty and once again making accusations of collusion. Well, that happens when you uh, move the goalposts again. <laughs> Chicago. You know, mm -hmm. Zach uh, originally said in the gear when you called him out, uh, listen, any version, you get the high score in any version, and that's how you win this game. And then, then it's like, oh, no, then you have to play the arcade version only. Arcade version is the only one that counts, right? I believe he I said hear, uh, arcade hear him and, or GTFO. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I whatever. I could hear him and Dustin going back and forth. It's the arcade version, right? The arcade version is the really one. He's doing too good. He's doing too good on the NES. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, too good on the NES. Beat it. So, who ended up winning the NES competition uh, for that? Uh, I don't. Well, know. I don't know. I'm waiting to hear their two scores. Yeah. Oh, all right. We, okay. Uh, I'll go first this time. Let's see. Because right. if, if, if you beat me, Alex, this is going to be a heck of a moment. You know, Hold on. So you didn't so put what did Sore Thumb Collector get? Uh, sore Thumb Collector ended at uh, 88,700. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. I ended up at 80,550. Hold on. So oh. you never played after that? No, that was it. That was my, really? that was my best. Yeah, I, I played oh. after that, but that was my top. Oh, okay. Uh -oh. All right. Hold on. So this is it. Um, so Han, if I beat you, then the crown is be, mine, and that's this will it. Be the first time that Zach has lost. This will be the right? first time that I've lost in any version. What did you get? I didn't play again. <laughs> <laughs> I just left. I never had a, a run as good as that. I never got past uh, four one, and I never cracked. I, I think I, I did crack like seventy four. I didn't pause it in time, and uh, you know Guillermo was right. Like after a while, you're like oh. over it. 
you know, kind of over you the puber. you had me sweating. I yeah. seriously thought that was the moment. I was like, my, I was holding my breath. Well, listen, let me tell you something. If I'm going to beat you at a game, it's going to be at like a real game where we all agree on this is the version that we're playing. <laughs> There's not going to be like a million people posting crazy scores. It's going to be us, the retro game guys. And from yeah. out of nowhere, I'm going to lay it down on you. And you're going to be like, what? And that's <laughs> okay. how it's going to end. Yeah. Okay. All right, Guillermo, so. let's move on to some of the other versions. So then uh, just to be clear, Alex ends in third at 71,000. Nice <laughs> job, right. everybody. Yeah. So uh, and the Atari 2600 officially, yay, Zach edged out uh, at Retro Game Rock 1, uh, 66,000 to 63,000. But uh, nice. huge honorable mention to the massive 90,375 that Retro Game Rock 1 dropped right after the deadline. That's right. Ooh. He missed the deadline for missed that deadline. score. So Zach takes it by the rules. <sighs> I can't defend all fronts at the same time. That was tough. <laughs> wow, man. Well, tell him, tell him, don't worry about it. It wouldn't have counted anyway. He would have been, if he, if he had got in <laughs> under a line, he would have said, no, 11 59 and 59 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Or GTFO. Great, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Greenwich Mean Time, Universal uh, UTC. That's time. right. Yeah, he would have moved it up. on you, dude. There you go. <laughs> So on a few of the other ports, then uh, ColecoVision looks like the winner was Zach. Yay. <laughs> uh, Unchallenged, I think. Ooh, yeah. And then finally, of course, we've already talked about it, but we got to mention in the scoreboards, the Qbert Tiny Arcade. Uh, on that version, Justin shot out of the gate, building an early, seemingly insurmountable, massive score of 2,100 points. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I must have taken you all of right. 45 minutes on the toilet. <laughs> that's right i think that's you turn right. the game on you get 2100 points but whatever <laughs> but then just squeezing by dustin with a score of over thirty thousand with zach yay nice of and zach uh what happened uh when you got that score so what happened when i got the score it was interesting because uh i i, I played it for maybe i don't know five minutes and uh, I maybe, yeah, I got over 30,000 or something. And when I went to register my high score, the name was completely glitched out. Like the score was so high that it glitched the game out. And so I thought, what? okay, maybe this was just some, yeah, some random happening. I played the game again and then it went back to the high score screen again and it was still glitched out. So the game just completely like breaks when you get mm, certain score. Me, uh, Dustin, this is bull. Right well, I, That's what I, this I, is. Yeah, well, this, this is, is malarkey. This is Zach malarkey. Yeah, this is exactly. Oh, well, you, are I, you saying the twenty one hundred is the high score here? Is that I'm what we're saying? Getting the, I say twenty one hundred. I, I take victory. Gets. Yeah, I'm saying picks or GTFO. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of picks, okay. hey, did hold on. Did anyone else get scores on the iOS version? I know it's not official, official, but the the arcade version is somewhat close. Okay, you know, to the old one. Did anyone get a score on that one? Uh, nobody posted it. a score on the iOS version with the hashtag Beat Retro Game Guys. Okay, well, because so I have a score. Well, it's too bad. Too late. You didn't move on. on. What's the next segment? <laughs> so it looks like Dustin is the new uh, retro game guy to beat moving forward. That's right. 13,885 I got down the wow. iOS Ooh, version. Did right. you get to level two? I got to three, I think, on that one. I got here, yeah. Here's mine right here on my phone. Level 120 is what I'm on right now. No, but that's not the same one. It You're is. You're playing... No, so Zach, you're totally not understanding me. Oh, you're playing There's the arcade version oh, of the see. game right. in the That's iOS right. thing. I'm playing the arcade okay. one. Okay, we'll keep talking. I'll play it right now, and I'll get that, <laughs> I'll get to that score. <laughs> that is yeah. very past the deadline, <laughs> yeah. and we're moving yeah. on. Can I can I just tell you one thing real quick? I didn't mention on the tiny <laughs> arcade. Beyond that glitch, the mini arcade version is bizarre. Okay, so Coily he rarely chases you. If you get on the disc, it clears the screen of all the enemies, whether Coily jumps off or not. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. Slick, and with, I thought it was the funniest thing of all, Slick actually changes the colors to help you. When he comes out, he'll flip the color, even if it's the color that you haven't touched yet. Which actually, that was kind of cool. It actually helps you get through some levels. So on the I'd say NES, that should be a future he did that feature. once. He did it on one level on the NES. Flipped it, flipped it to a color? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Maybe I missed that in the arcade or something. Is that in well, the You're following your patterns, probably. Missed it. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, probably. But anyway, yeah, I was like, because he like almost finished a level for me. I was like, hey, thanks, man. I'll stop calling your names now. Okay, and one more thing. Uh, big shout out. Big thank you to all the people that participated. Everybody that uh, submitted their scores to hashtag beat retro game guys. There are a bunch of people that were involved and it was a whole bunch of fun and a huge shout out to keep the score.co. Uh, they're the ones that uh, create and maintain the boards uh, that we ended up using. And uh, they were tremendous. They were exactly what we were looking for and uh, a great resource to have. So thanks to them. Yeah, totally agree. And also thank you, Guillermo, for all your work. And uh, congratulations to at Terracotta Stew and Sore Thumb Collector. You guys can say you beat the retro game, guys. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Now it's time for our monthly gift card giveaway. This month's winner is at Terracotta Stew. Obviously. Right? (laughs) As we mentioned earlier, Terracotta Stew won our Qbert Arcade Score competition by a healthy margin. Yeah. Uh, He's also a fun guy to follow on Twitter. He does a series of posts called What the Atari, uh, where he shows a silhouette of an Atari character, and you have to guess the game, although I think oh, he's yeah, uh, kind of ending that right now. but uh, Oh, is he? It's been pretty cool. It yeah. was fun. I got Pitfall. That's the one yeah. that was the one I got. Well, I, I got. I, I have to say, without le- looking, I have been able to get most of them. I mean, there was a couple obvious ones like Pitfall. Um, they he had the ad at from uh, Empire Strikes Back, which is like, well, duh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Et, I was I got that right out of the gate, but I was surprised when I looked. Then looked at some of the replies, and uh, a lot of people were struggling with that one. But uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. So uh, anyway, congratulations, Terracotta Stew. You've got yourself a twenty five dollar gift card. Your favorite All right. console. Yeah, yeah. Good job, buddy. Good job. Woo-hoo. All right, guys, now it's time to share what's coming in our next episodes. So in two weeks for our quick play episode, we'll be chatting about other isometric games that we remember from growing up, like uh, games like Zaxxon, Crystal Mm -hmm, Castles, and Marble Madness. Uh, Then in February, we'll be going back to the 16-bit console wars as we play and compare Aladdin for the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. We'll also be playing the re-release version that came out last year on the Switch bundled with The Lion King. Uh, the Switch version went on sale recently. The download was $11.99, and you could get the physical game for about $25. Yeah. Thanks to our friends, the Big Apple, A. John Hack, and the Golden God, yes. Don Van Dam, for suggesting that we do Aladdin. So excited about this, you guys. Yeah, we for sure. Finally, I am too. You're finally getting to that. I bet you are. This <laughs> yeah. is like straight uh, uh, Genesis household versus Nintendo household here. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I went back and looked because I remembered that, you know, people have been requesting this game for quite some time. And right. uh, we actually got our first request for Aladdin over two years ago. Oh, we talked about it in our Streets of Rage episode. Uh, the request came from at Retro Gamer Barry, who still comments on our, our post from time to time. He's still hanging out somewhere. Uh, well, hey, Barry, we finally got to it two years later. Uh, better late than never, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a game that I've had my Genesis collection for a bit here, and, and I've dipped into here and there, and it's been pretty fun. And I actually picked up already the Super Nintendo version, ready to dust that off from uh, from the eBay seller and uh, see if it's up to snuff and give them, uh, give them both a run and see what they're like. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Aladdin was one of my favorite. I think my favorite of the Disney 
uh, 90s movies. So I'm super pumped about this. So yeah, yeah. Dustin, yeah. you're Unfortunate. excited until you find out how much jumping is involved. I know. Oh. No, I've played it enough. I know. <laughs> I, but I, I, I'm going into this with the mindset that I think I'm not going to be good at it. But I think this is going to be a game I won't be good at. But I'm going to have fun. It's uh, a. Okay. There's it so much. Of, there's so much good about this game just from the little I've played with. Played it already. That even if I don't get far, I'm going to have a good time doing it. Um, so yeah, as always, we'd love for you all to play along. You can play the SNES Genesis or switch version of Aladdin, post a picture with how far you got and use the hashtag beat retro game guys. We'll share the best playthroughs in our next episode. And Alex, I'll take you on either version. Okay. So just to make that clear, pick one, pick, pick one. Though, pick, yeah. Time. I guess we're going to have to work that out. I got to see, uh, which, uh, version of my <laughs> menus I could hack. SNES <laughs> version, but uh, I'll let you know. Well, the, this probably be a lot of ties in this one because the ultimate score. There's no score per se, oh. right? The ultimate score is finish the game. That's the goal. Oh, it's well, really goal it based. <laughs> no, nah, forget it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get one where I could nail you. Future episode. Seen. You pick the game, Alex. How about this? Let's set this up for a future episode. You uh -huh. pick the game. You set the rules, and you tell me, and let's do it. How's that? All right. Okay. All right. Uh, one quick note on Aladdin. I uh, we we've already kind of talked about it on social media a little bit. There's already someone who's beaten the game and posted it. <laughs> I saw that hashtag beat retro game. Guys. What are you going to so, do okay. all month now? What are you going to do? <laughs> no, no, no. He should have done it because now Zach's going to throw that out because he's going to say it wasn't officially uh, <laughs> we hadn't started announced yet. yet, so it doesn't count. And you have to do it all. All right, yeah. guys. This one is hashtag tie retro game, guys. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> one last note here, guys. Don't forget to listen to our full interview with Warren Davis. He shares even more about Hubert, and you have to hear about this Laserdisc game that he made called Us Versus Them. Oh, yeah. It's super fascinating stuff. It, I was I was kind of uh, fanboying with uh, to Warren Davis about it. So yeah. uh, really cool stuff there. I played it. I actually played it, and it's, it's yeah. super it's super like weird and crazy, just like we thought it was going to be. So That's so yeah. cool. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for our Qbert episode. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and it makes you want to cut off your arms and jump off a pyramid. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> for the Retro Game Guys, Zach and Alex and the Archivist Guillermo, I'm Dustin saying stay well and game on. Until next time, friends. Submit to your demands I will do anything Girl, you need only ask I'll make love to you Like you want me to And I'll hold you tight Baby, all through the night I'll make love to you When you want me to And I will not let go of you Tell me to The opinions and views expressed on the Retro Game Guys podcast represent the views of the speaker alone and are not the views of our employers.